This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, December 18th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, airport plans expansions to meet demand. New film tackles the paradise paradox. Smart plans for Montrose bus. And a mountain weather forecast. Can the Telluride Airport double in size without necessarily expanding? This was the question before the San Miguel County Planning Commission last week. Some background regarding a proposed new airport hangar facility, uh, approximately 40,000 square feet. Um, it would include hangar space for transient aircraft, a lobby, um, office space, rental car service space, and storage for snow equipment and, and the like. That's John Hubner, senior planner for the county, describing a proposed hangar at the Deep Creek Mesa Airport. Despite the large new building, airport manager Kenneth Menpa says the airport will not necessarily see more traffic or welcome more visitors. I'm not going to say zero, but there, it would be a nominal increase. There, there's a lot of uh, residents that are part-time residents, if you will, in San Miguel County that do come in. And um, being able to, I guess, have their airplane actually here, yes, I guess it would increase a little bit that we would have more parking on the airport. And what I argue is, yeah, that's probably better than them taking off and going somewhere else and then coming back and picking them back up. In other words, the new hangar would provide parking for existing airport traffic. The airport already has a wait list of some 16 county residents hoping to park a private plane in Telluride. With plane parking limited, Mayampa continues, on busy weekends, private jets are forced to fly in, drop a passenger off, and fly out again to park at a different airport. There are peak times, President's Day week or, or what have you. We're saying 30 minutes, you're on the ground, drop your passengers off and get out of here so we can accommodate somebody else. So A hangar could provide a space for those planes to await their owner's return post-ski vacation and thus reduce unnecessary air traffic. The hangar project could break ground as soon as next year, but it's just the first step in a far larger set of expansions which the airport is proposing. Hubner lists the rest. A hotel and conference center and additional south side hangar is added with no square foot estimate provided, and a future siting of a new terminal, a campus water pump and fire suppression system and vehicle parking. While the hangar could break ground next year, those other expansions are much longer term, part of an update to the airport's master plan, which will guide its growth for the coming decades. With proposals for a new terminal, which could include a proper baggage claim, expanded seating and a second story, as well as 200 more parking spots and a small hotel and conference center, it seems the airport is ready to take off. But, reiterates Mayampa, Expansion is not about adding more flights. It's more about updating facilities to meet the current need. Over the last few years, TEX has seen around 10,000 commercial emplanements, or passengers getting on flights. Mayimpa calls this the magic number. I don't see us growing that much uh, from that. Even if we did have two airlines, maybe we would go. I, I don't see us foresee us ever going over 20,000 emplanements, doubling our emplanements which isn't really that significant because you have the ground transportation companies that are currently there today. We have three, actually five transportation companies, three that are on the airport and two rental car companies and what have you. So really it's just serving a, an improving the need 
that we've really outgrown for years. A master plan is not a development proposal. It simply opens up a possible future use. But both planning commissioners and members of the public in attendance were concerned with the extent of the changes. Commissioners ask the airport to return at a future meeting with a revised plan that removes the most controversial aspects, notably the hotel and conference center. The new hangar, which the airport hopes to begin building next year, is dependent on the master plan's approval. Eric Slayman moved to Telluride in 2003. I moved to Colorado, the typical ski bum guy. Uh, took a Greyhound bus from Alabama in 2001. I discovered Telluride in 2003, and I lived here for 10 years. He recently came back to town, but looks on those first few years with some sadness and guilt. In the 10 years that I lived here in Telluride, I lost, we lost a lot of friends, um, more than we should have. And, you know, in 2003, four or five, we don't know. No one was talking about mental health. There was a stigma was high. There was no resources. We didn't know how to even acknowledge or or see what was happening with our friends. You know, we get done skiing powder or riding our mountain bikes and, hey, dude, why are you in bed? Let's go to the buck. We just had an incredible day, you know? And I look back on that. And for me personally, it was been, it was that sadness and guilt and these emotions that came out really was a driver for me to help bring this film to life and, and a motivator for me. Slayman is a producer of the new film, The Paradise Paradox which explores mental health and suicide in rural and mountain communities. A lot of these beautiful towns like Telluride are, are in the middle of nowhere. Um, and people come to these towns. They flock here, right, um, from around the world and around the country. And they have, they br- they're bringing, you know, issues with them that they think that maybe the mountains can be the solution for. And so it's that paradox. The film, created by Olympic ski racer Bodie Miller and award-winning sports filmmaker Brett Rapkin, highlights individuals on the ground who are working to change the conversation around mental health. This film really goes in and, uh, you know, it, it tells the stories of local heroes, from the ski patroller to the lift operator to the barista to the, you know, the, the very wealthy as well. Um, you know, uh, mental health does not discriminate. Um, it, it hits every one of us. So we, uh, we, we are extremely happy that this film has been completed and, and brought to life. Um, and it's been a dream come true for me to, to share this here in Telluride. For Slayman, the film isn't the destination for a conversation. When it comes to suicide, he wants it to be the jumping off point. Through beautiful, impactful storytelling, creating a, a tool that we can leverage for communities around the world, um, mountain and rural communities, specifically with this film, to um, to bring awareness and um, you know have the opportunity to to uh, you know say it's okay to not be okay. And I think that is um, one of the the longstanding kind of statements that we've had had since the beginning was like it's okay to say you're not okay. And if that's the that's the the big takeaway, then that's amazing mission success. But Slayman adds they don't only want to create change on the local level. He points to a story shared in the film. A 13-year-old girl named Olivia took her own life. Her mother was trying everything she could do before that happened. Um, insurance was a nightmare. 
Um, she could only get in to see providers in Denver. Um, they lived in, in Vail or Edwards, Colorado. And so, you know, uh, and, you know, she was a, a, a housekeeper at a hotel and um, couldn't take the time off and, and wanted to do everything she could for her daughter and was doing it. But the system failed her and her insurance failed her and just no resources by default of where they lived failed them. Um, so we're really hoping that from, you know, on the personal level, eliminate stigma, but we're also you want to leverage this film as a tool to 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 change insurance and, and change kind of perceptions from, you know, the state level and the national level for that matter, too. The film screening is a collaboration between the Communities That Care Coalition, Tri-County Health Network, the Telluride Mountain Club, Peter Inglis Avalanche Education Fund, the Wilkinson Public Library, and San Miguel County Public Health. Screenings of The Paradise Paradox will take place in Ridgeway on Tuesday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. at the Ure County 4-H Event Center. A screening in Telluride will take place on Wednesday, December 20th at the Palm Theater at 6 p.m. with a Q&A at 7. The event is free and open to the community. If you or anyone you know is struggling or thinking about suicide, you can reach out to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by calling 988. The San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is planning to expand its bus service to Montrose. At a basic level, sort of one round trip a day. That's Smart Executive Director David Averill speaking at a Smart Board meeting earlier this fall. With a Montrose route in the budget for next year, Carrie DeStefano, Operations Manager at Smart, says they're now in the process of determining where stops will go. DeStefano says she and Averill recently spoke with the Montrose Deputy City Manager. She was enthusiastic. She has had a stop change suggestion, and we're in the process of looking at that. There there's some challenges there, but we are definitely going to take it into consideration because she knows her community better than we do, and she feels that we would get some good route ridership out of that area. Smart has not released where the stops in Montrose may be located. Moving down the route from Montrose, DeStefano says they also need to identify where to stop in Ridgeway. They don't have a good place for a stop, but we do need to stop there. And right now we're leaning toward just using the stop that that Bustang uses. That stop is near the intersection with highways 62 and 550. Smart currently operates van pools to and from Montrose. Averill says the expanded bus route has been in the works for some time. It's been in our plans for a number of years to go do this on our own. Um, in the last strategic operating plan, it's one of the last projects that we've identified there. Um, and I feel like we're in a good position to do it at a pretty basic level, right? Like this one round trip a day um, kind of thing. And, you know, we're, we're putting in for the capital. We got the buses for it, but we can use those on other routes too. It's not like they're exclusively exclusively dedicated to a Montrose route. To dot the I's and cross the T's, Averill says Smart will need an operating agreement from Montrose and Ridgeway Town Council to run the buses. Outside of the expansion, DeStefano says ridership is, unsurprisingly, up in the third quarter compared to the first and second. Ridership in the winter is almost always higher than the spring and summer. People in the spring, there's breaks and in the summer, especially with loss and people find other modes of transportation. Smart is currently operating its winter season transportation with routes between Telluride, Mountain Village, Placerville, Lawson Hill, Two Rivers, Sawpit, Ilium, Rico, Norwood, Redvale, Natarita, and Nucla.
Ski lore is riddled with stories, sometimes of unknown origin, describing plausible but extraordinary past events. Whether true or myth, the storm cycles, heroic feats, or whispers of fantastic terrain shape how we see the slopes. These stories often pop up on chairlifts, the skin track, over a beer, or in a movie. This week, the Sheridan Arts Foundation and Black Tie Ski Rentals are teaming up to present Legend Has It. The film travels the globe with the best athletes to find the locations of these epic tales, to uncover the experiences, and sometimes create some legend of their own. The Legend Has It film screening will take place at the Sheridan Opera House on Tuesday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. and then again at 8.30 p.m. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. The reintroduction of gray wolves in Colorado will move forward despite a lawsuit from ranchers aiming to block the action. Last Friday, a U.S. District Court judge declined to issue a temporary restraining order that would have blocked the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife from reintroducing the wolves in Colorado. In a release, CPW stated with the decision it will move forward with reintroducing gray wolves over the next several months. The wolves will be captured in Oregon and relocated to the Western Slope between now and March 2024. In 2020, voters approved reintroducing gray wolves back into the state. Leaders from around the West met in Las Vegas last week for talks about managing the shrinking Colorado River. KUNC's Alex Hager was there and spoke with representatives from tribal communities who want a bigger say in the river's future. 30 tribes use water from the Colorado River, but they've long been excluded from decisions about how it's shared. Stephen Rowe Lewis is governor of the Gila River Indian community in Arizona. He said he wants to see formal protections for a tribal role in water talks. Not just a seat at the table, we want to build upon that. You know, we, we want to be able to control the agenda that is for the betterment of all of, of the basin, for the entire region. Lewis says tribes can be an ally to federal and state governments looking to conserve water. His community recently accepted hundreds of millions of federal dollars to use less from the river. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low near 30 degrees. Expect sun on Tuesday with a high near 45, followed by a cloudy night with a low around 30. Wednesday brings a slight chance of snow showers with otherwise cloudy skies and a high near 40 degrees. A chance of snow lingers over Wednesday night when the low is near 25. This has been the news for Monday, December 18th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.